name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Decepticons, transform and rise up! Calling Autobots! Calling Autobots! This is a battle protocol! Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. Hey folks, welcome to Transformer Tuesdays, the fanhole spin-off show where we talk Transformers every time and all the time. I'm Mike, I'll uh, be your host tonight. And uh, tonight uh, we are discussing uh, nothing nothing too complicated, but uh, we're discussing different Transformers coloring books we had as a, as a, as children. And uh, you know, it's, they're not exactly like the deepest in plot or, or or anything, but you know, we have nostalgic fondness for them. So we will, uh, you know, uh, analyze and uh, discuss the finer subtleties of them, and yeah, and discuss how we failed the mazes and crossword puzzles, and <laughs> yeah, or, or possibly succeeded. Yeah, but yeah, who's here? Hey, what's up? This is Derek. Derek W.C., the fastest podcaster in the West, or whatever the fuck they said about Ultra Magnus. And this is Justin. Generation 2. Generation 2, Justin. Squirt water on him and he changes color. No comment. No no comment. Okay, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we've got... Uh, me and me and we we each picked a coloring book. Like me and Derek's are basically from the same era, and then yeah, Justin's is from Generation Two. But uh, we'll start with discussing mine, and like uh, I'll read a the wiki has a very brief summary of what happens in it, so I'll read that. But uh, mine's called Battle at Oil Valley. Uh, it was released in 1986 by uh, Marvel Books, uh, written by uh, Josepha Sherman and uh, illustrated by Brad Joyce. Here is the plot of Battle at Oil Valley. At Decepticon headquarters, Galvatron is restless. He informs Starscream that they need to find fuel. Meanwhile, Hot Rod is out for a drive with Daniel. They they observe a massive oil drills at Oil Valley, but the Decepticons have found it too. As Hot Rod races off to warn the Autobots, Galvatron spots him. Hot Rod escapes and meets up with Grimlock and the Dinobots outside of Autobot City. Grimlock goes to battle the Decepticons, while Hot Rod goes for help. The Dinobots fight the Decepticons, who are still in pursuit of Hot Rod. Hot Rod finds Ultra Magnus, who leads a squad to help out the Dinobots. The Autobots arrive just as the battle is turning against the outnumbered Dinobots. The oil field workers climb out of the valley to find out what's going on. As the battle turns against the Decepticons, Galvatron sneaks off to the unguarded oil field to steal all the oil while everyone's distracted. Grimlock sees him and follows. He tears an oil derrick and trying to thorough smackdown with it, prompting Galvatron to retreat aboard his ship, Cyclonus. The oil workers cheer as the victorious Autobots return home. So yeah, very, very complicated and deep plot there. But uh, yeah, I, I, I my 
someone bought this for me as a kid and like I, I I treasured it quite a bit and I mean you guys know me like you probably you could probably spot like the influences this had like on young Michael like a lot of characters I like were very visible in it like you know Buzzsaw and Dirge and Snarl and stuff like that like and uh yeah I mean some of these we'll talk a little more about this like later probably but some of these like coloring books occupy this weird like nebulous continuity where ultra magnus is leader of the autobots and galvatron's leader of the decepticons but like you know star still kicking around with like galvatron and like a lot of season one guys are with ultra magnus and i don't know it's all very like you know you don't know exactly where this could possibly fit like so it's probably you know a splinter timeline or something but but yeah like i mean i i always enjoyed this one i, I don't I don't know, like, speaking as to, like, the coloring book aspect of it, I don't know if I actually ever colored in any of this. I think I just enjoyed reading it, but uh, I don't know. Well, like, had you guys read this before? This is, I think, the first time I read Battle at Oil Valley. I was actually surprised because the cover features the Dinobots in Oil Valley, and I think... I, I guess I just assumed, like, I don't know, maybe I, I just assumed, like, that, uh, you know, like a spoilers, but I assumed that my coloring book, since it's so prominent on the cover that it has, you know, movie characters, you know, Transformers the movie, like season three characters, I figured mine would have, like, season three stuff, but I, I didn't realize that, like, Galvatron was going to be the leader in this and that Hot Rod was going to be with Daniel in the book and that kind of thing. So I was kind of surprised that they were in it. So I guess that, you know, again, that kind of shows that I had never actually read this before. Um, I guess for my my notes, you know, my first note is going to be about the TF Wiki synopsis, which I, I, I protest. I formally file a complaint because I don't think Galvatron was restless. Like, I think he just wanted to steal some fucking oil. <laughs> like... He's like, he says, I think he's like, it, it's way more simplistic because it's a coloring book. He's like, you know, Starscream, we're low on fuel. Let's go get some fuel. Like, I don't, I don't, that's not restless. That's like, dude, we're out of gas. Like, let's go take the Decepticons. I, I think it says like, get some gas. it says like Galvatron is pacing back and forth. So maybe yeah. that's where they got that. Like, yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, I just, I, I, I was kind of like. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're nervous because you're low on gas, or you, you know, I don't know. I I, I it, restless makes it seem like there's it's there's something like sort of laissez-faire or carefree about the impatience, but I don't think he's, I don't know, I I don't think it's just like Galvatron's like Starscream. I'm bored. Let's go get some fuel, you know, like, like, I don't, I don't, I, I think it's, it, it, to me, it came across, I know it's a coloring book, but it came across as much more essential, like that, that they, they needed fuel and everything. I thought it was funny. I don't know. Am I wrong about this? Like, I thought it was funny that like Daniel was actually behind the wheel of hot rod when he was in car mode. Like it almost looked like Daniel was driving and I'm like, it's that funny thing of like, well, yeah, Daniel's hanging out with Hot Rod, but I'm like, Daniel is not of driving age. Like, usually, you know, even in the movie, right, he he grabs him off his little rocket surfboard and 
kind of sticks him in the seat, but he's not driving, right? Because presumably these leagues of parent associations would not want like their, you know, seven-year-old little Jimmy to, you know, drive a rocket race car that's futurized or whatever, right? But I, I thought that was kind of funny. I thought the whole hot rod special optical sensors, I'm like, you mean his binoculars? Is that what you mean? Like, cause, I thought I don't they know, like it, opera glasses or something. Yeah, and it's funny, it's <laughs> funny how they try to, like, make it out like, oh, this is just like, you know, this is just like hot rods, you know, uh powers in the movie and i'm like no dude it's they're they're like bird glasses like what are you talking about like i i kind of wonder are they binoculars or is it like supposed to be like his eyes have just zoomed out of his like skull like is that the intent it's really weird mm, mm. I, I i see what you're saying like but that that's kind of weird too because then then it's like hot rods like Go go gadget eyes, you know. I'm like, what? Like, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. For me, like, if I was coloring, I would color the 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 binoculars. I'm gonna call them something different from. But I mean, like, maybe if you were a kid and you thought they extended out, then maybe what you'd make the the lenses blue, and then the the I don't know the the rest of it would be like silver or red or something, you know, something like that. I don't know. Are you were you Justin? Were you imagining Hot Rod had like one of those like old opera lady voices or like yeah. oh dear the Decepticons? Like uh, I also like this page of like where, where Soundwave's like talking about his sensors picking up the Dinobots, but his hands are like around his head and it looks like he's got like brain freeze from eating ice cream too quickly or something. <laughs> No, I, I never had this as a kid. Like, if I had seen it, I would have wanted it just based on the cover alone. Because, you you know me, like, I love the Dinobots. So, if I had saw it, I would probably would have asked for it. Because it's like, there's, you know, there's quite a bit of Hot Rod in here, which is cool. Because I've always liked Hot Rod. But there there's a lot of Dinobot pages in here. Like, I mean, Galvatron and Grimlock have a showdown. Like, yeah, yeah. Would have, like, yeah. really, like, got my attention. Because, you know, I, I love Galvatron a lot, too. This is this is much more of a to to me that this you know you know how we discussed that there's that divergence between like the Marvel comics and the Sunbow cartoons and I'd say this coloring book definitely leans more towards the Sunbow cartoons right because the Dinobots are probably the most powerful group in this entire story um, I thought it was funny, though, because it's like there's season one and season two Grimlock, which seems to be the characterization here. Right. Like uh, like Hot Rod's just kind of a punk kid and he actually gives Hot Rod orders. Do You know what I mean? He's like he's like, you Hot Rod, go back, you know, get other Autobots, you know, or whatever. And I was like, the fuck he's giving Hot Rod or what? Like that because I'm thinking of like, you know kind of goofball Grimlock from from season three, right? Like, you know, where where it's like, you know, he's just chuckling and he's kinda of like, oh great, it's Grimlock. You know, come on, you big bozo. Like I'm like I'm like how you know, it's like clearly in this coloring book, Hot Rod doesn't think he's a big bozo in this scenario or yet. You know, so I thought that was interesting. And then and then what you're saying, like that, that was kind of interesting to see, you know, because I, I I would harbor, you know, to me if this was if this leaned more towards 
the Marvel comics, I, I would think that Galvatron would make short work of all the Dinobots at some point eventually, right? But in this case, it's like this kind of epic, you know, kaiju battle and Grimlock's like Godzilla and he kicks the shit out of Grimlock. I mean, Galvatron has to retreat, basically, you know? He's got to run away and that kind of reminds me more of, you know, typically how how Megatron would would uh, fail in a lot of the Sunbow cartoons. You know, the, the Dinobots would show up, the Autobots would have the upper hand, and, you know, Megatron would kind of, you know, shout out the signal to retreat or whatever, and that's what this reminds me of. I mean, it, it's interesting, too, because it's like they're they're trying to promote this new product, right? But, you know, and maybe they don't have all the details. Like you said, that's why you have these weird situations where... Galvatron and Starscream are actually in the same shot together, which which is kind of, you know, ironic, you know, when when you know the plot of the movie. But I think I think this is that weird period where these came out. And and I I do have distinct memories of this with mine. But these were products that came out either before the movie or maybe before you had seen the movie or in, you know, in in preparation, you know, this kind of what do they call it, um, you know, corporate synergy, you know, to, to have product available to get people excited about the movie. And, and, and in that case, that was kind of back when you were getting, I mean, for me, like this is my memory of it. It's like you, you were getting Galvatron and Ultra Magnus at Toys R Us, and you didn't quite know anything other than they were new characters. So we didn't know that, that Megatron was going to turn into Galvatron, right? Like, all we knew was, oh, here's this new guy. Oh, look, here's this other new guy. Well, you know, you, you kind of got the vibe, right? Because Ultra Magnus had the same cab as Optimus, and you're like, oh, well, these are both kind of like, you know, quote-unquote, they didn't have these at the time, but these are both, quote, you know, leader-class type figures, right? So you're like, oh, okay, these are kind of the leaders. And then you look at the back of the tech spec and it's like city commander city commander and you're like oh so i guess i guess this guy's in charge of metroplex and this other guy in purple is in charge of trypticon you know like you're trying to figure it all out because you see the back of the box art and all that kind of stuff right and and this coloring book is very much the same way where you're like oh okay well i guess you know it's like like mike was saying it's this nebulous period of time where you're like oh i guess this guy's the Decepticon city commander and he's you know he's he's commanding all these other you know Decepticons and and what's interesting about it too is there's not too many I mean most of aside from Hot Rod and Galvatron in this and there's one page that has Cyclonus and then Cyclonus like picks up Galvatron kind of you know almost foreshadowing how how he would operate in the movie as Galvatron's ship, right? He he retreats with Galvatron. But aside from that, it's all it's all season one Autobots, pretty much, right? I mean, for the most part, you know. I mean, you know what? Ultra Magnus and Hot Rod, right? Like, there's not there's not too many others that are season three, are there? Or maybe like Blur in one page or something like that. But I, I kind of wonder how these things are like assembled like do they would they provide them with like material for some of these characters and then and tell them who to feature it or do they just be like okay here's some characters that we're going to feature in this movie like go write 
a book or a coloring book around that? Like, how does I wonder how that kind of works? I, I wonder if they didn't know the plot of the movie. Like, I wonder if what they were provided is like, look, here's like just what we knew as kids, right? But imagine they had the tech spec and the image of Galvatron a little earlier. Mm-hmm. So they know what Galvatron looks like. They're drawing him like the toy. They know he's a city commander. So he's like, okay, he's some kind of commander. Okay, so he's the one in charge. And then they get the tech spec for Ultra Magnus. And it's like, well, he's a commander. You know, he's in charge. So they know to put these two guys in charge. But it seems like most of the plot... I mean, the, the, only, the only thing that negates that theory is Daniel. Like, D- Daniel is not really mentioned in any of the tech specs, but Daniel's a fairly prominent character in this. So that's the only thing that kind of knocks that theory out of the water is uh, Daniel is is uh, almost on as many pages as Hot Rod is in this, just because by the nature of their you know partnership, their association, right? And that that's more of a... But, but I, I think my argument might be like and this is kind of what I was trying to get at is if you swapped Galvatron for a Megatron, if you swapped Optimus prime for ultra Magnus and you swapped construction worker spike for Daniel and I don't know, Bumblebee for hot rod or so, you know, somebody like that. Right. Wouldn't it essentially be the same story? Yeah, pretty much. Right. So, I mean, who knows? Like it could be like, that some of these were, what do they call them at, you know, Marvel comics, like, like semi inventory stories, but maybe, you know, as it got closer to them being released, they're like, Hey, why don't you, you know, swap out, you know, some of these, these new toys or whatever, and and stick those in there. Um, I, I, I know one of the notes I had, and maybe this will give, give Mike something to, uh, shoot off from but you know it made me laugh because when when swoop gets clipped by dirge in one of the pages like they're having the the aerial battle or whatever like i was thinking to myself oh it'd be kind of funny if that was buzzsaw that clipped swoop you know because you know buzzsaw has that rep or whatever right so it's it'd be funny if that (laughs) extended over to even coloring books right well, there is like the the one scene of Buzzsaw fighting Slag, where I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I actually added that picture to the TF Wiki to like Buzzsaw and Slag's pages, where I'm kind of like, I was like, Slag fights the only guy who's as murderous as he is, like you know, and then well, like, it's, yeah, and then and then Starscream ends up shooting Slag in the back like a punk, right? So. Yeah, and then but then later it's like there's a panel of uh, it says like. I think the caption is swoop finally chases buzzsaw off or something like, so that tells me that buzzsaw was the problem. Cause like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Mike, you said you probably never colored this. Like, do you still own this? Is this something you held on to? I think so. I think I've got it in a like bin somewhere. Like I could probably find, dig it out and like find it. Like, like and then I could also dig out my crayons and actually like color it in or something. But <laughs> and then and then we can brand it an adult coloring book. Yeah, it's an adult <laughs> coloring book. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know what else I thought of when I was looking at this? You know, I know you talked about the the weird timeline or you know, the fact that like characters you wouldn't normally see together were together. I mean, this also kind of reminds me a little bit of Japanese headmasters, right? Because that's that's the only other place you'll see Ultra Magnus 
hanging out with a crap ton of of season one Autobots for the most part. I mean, maybe Scramble City, right? So there, there's that notion where you've got the quote-unquote city commander with some of the, you know, the, the old school, you know, season one arc crew, right? Like, so, and that's, that's something that's, was, you know, I remember having that same, it's not early installment weirdness. Maybe it's like mid installment weirdness, but just the, the, you know, that, you know, you know, something's a little weird where it's like, Hey, you know, you're like, you're like, why is, uh, why is Barkley on the, uh, enterprise NX zero one with Archer? This is weird. (laughs) You know, like why, why is that? Like, you know, it's like, or you're sitting there kind of going, Hey, uh, you know, why is Plo Kloon uh, playing chess with Luke Skywalker? You know, like like that doesn't seem right, you know, or whatever. And there's there's that kind of feeling to it. Are you guys familiar with any of the people that worked on this that much? I mean, I know they said Brad Joyce was a, you know, a, an inker at Marvel, you know, and that he worked on a lot of these, you know, kind of children's books, but that he also inked a bunch of different comics and stuff i i have to admit the name didn't stand out to me but like i think when i looked it up like some of the titles and stuff you know were all you know marvel comics of of that era of these you know the 80s or whatever no i'd never heard of them before i do like the art though yeah yeah it works like i mean some some of it looks like it's maybe like cribbed from like you know like toy toy box art and stuff like that first shot of galvatron looks like a reworking of his like toy box pose but i mean no i'm or or even even the the like there's that shot where galvatron decides to steal the oil for himself and it kind of looks like the the fluoro deary you know transformers universe profile yeah (laughs) i get it though i mean you're in a rush like you need a uh, a reference point and there you go i don't i don't think, you know like, you know even even that shot of grimlock with all the dinobots when they show up in front of hot rod like i mean that's kind of a crib of um what is it number number eight yeah Transformers eight yeah well I, like I, I was gonna say it's like i don't think like five-year-old me was like what they fucking swiped this or <laughs> like you know no 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 i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure they yeah we, we we didn't we didn't have our Rob Liefeld uh, swipe file uh, website or whatever back then. I'm I'm just I'm now that you mentioned that I'm just like looking through and going, hey, this does kind of look like you know other stuff. So I mean, if you're a if you're a hardcore fan, you can kind of see like some of those similarities and stuff. Is that like the ultimate mark of shame? You swipe some art from a comic for a coloring book? No, I I mean I mean that's that's probably like. I mean, and especially since it's a Marvel coloring book and most of the swipes appear to be from what the the toy art, which they were probably told to make it look like the product. And yeah. then on top of that, it's like, OK, so so what? So they they, they looked at the, a cool cover from Transformers that had all the Dinobots. I mean, maybe that was maybe that was like, hey, you need a reference for this um you know, uh, Brad Joyce, like, like, look at, um, you know, look at Transformers number eight. And I think, I mean, unless I'm mistaken, I think he actually worked on some of the Marvel comics, the Marvel Transformers comics, too. But I could be wrong. 
Yeah, he did some inking on Transformers number 10, and okay. that's about it. Okay. But, and then, he, yeah, he drew a bunch of, like, storybooks and coloring books. I mean, he, he, he worked on the, the one that I brought tonight. Too, yeah, so. yep. Yeah. I guess if we're done on that note, I can I can steer it over to me. The coloring book I brought is also from Marvel Books. It was also released in 1986. It is titled Invasion of the Decepticon Camp. The story is by Pat Brigandi. The art is, yes, it's by Brad Joyce, but it also happens to be by the legendary Steve Ditko. So that's kind of interesting. And what's funny is I, I know I had this as a kid because I when we started talking about this, I was trying to look for something that I remembered having. Now, just before I even get into the synopsis, but but playing off of something Justin said, I must have colored this book. And do I still have it? I have no idea where this book is. Like, I don't I don't know where it is. So I definitely have to reacquire it. But, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I don't know. It's I'm, 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 this might be something interesting when you when you guys had coloring books as a kid. Were you just interested in just the aspect of coloring? Like I have a I have a set of crayons that were purchased for me and I have no control over it. So I feel like coloring and, you know, if if Galvatron happens to be colored, you know, I don't know, you know, yellow and fuchsia or pink or what. Like, in other words, it's like if those were the crayons I had, like, did you just color whatever? Or like, I, I, I guess for me, like I. I, I don't know that I was like anal or whatever. I mean, and and the younger I was, you know, I mean, presumably there are coloring books out there that I don't own anymore or don't have anymore. But if you were to, you know, I don't know, use a Doc Brown time machine and look at some of those old coloring books, I'm sure there'd be some where it was just this epic, like, you know, Pablo Picasso coloring book job, you know, where it's just all this like bullshit and it doesn't, it's not even within the lines, right? Like, so I'm sure there'd be plenty of stuff like that when I was a little kid. But then I think that, that at some point it got to the point where if I respected the, the franchise and the characters and everything, you know, I, you know, who knows? Like, I don't know if I was going to try to color Galvatron in, in grays or in purples or, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I, I have no idea, but, I'm I'm sure I did color, you know, the 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 coloring book. Sometimes I wanted to be like very accurate. Like I can remember like looking at my Bumblebee toy and wanting to color the image of Bumblebee as accurate as the toy. I can also remember like purposefully like coloring stuff, you know, wacky do colors just to see what it would look like. So it just kind of depended on my mood, I guess. What about you, Mike? Do you have any anything I, to weigh in on the, the coloring book dilemma? I remember I used to get frustrated because, like, I wouldn't always have, like, a reference point to color them in. And, like, I'd try to do it from memory, and then it would look wrong, and then I'd get all frustrated and, like, color over the colors I already had so it would look like a mess eventually, like... I know, like, uh, I, I said before we started, like, I know I've read this one before. I don't know if I owned it, but I know, like, I there are certain parts of the story where I'm like, oh, wait, like, uh, this, it's tickling the little kid part of my brain. Like, I, I, I know, like, I know this stuff. Like, I know this material, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I even Battle of Oil Valley, if I dug it out today, I don't think I would have colored any of it. I think I just enjoyed reading these. 
Yeah, I seem to remember. I mean, to me, like the 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 sense memory I have of it, and then like you said, the the little kid, you know, member berries or whatever we're calling it, right? Like, I I remember the cover to Invasion of the Decepticon Camp. It's got Ultra Magnus fighting Galvatron, and Ultra Magnus is kind of standing triumphant and blasting Galvatron, who's kind of you know slammed into the corner of the cover on the bottom right. The book itself, I don't know if I got it at the same time, but I mean, I, I remember, you know, I've, I've told this story a few times, but, you know, I, I, I know for a birthday, uh, we went to Toys R Us and uh, one of the birthday presents that was purchased for me was Galvatron. And then there was a really nice next door neighbor girl that I was friends with. And, and, you know, different people from the neighborhood were invited to the party, and they had bought me Galvatron. But then, of course, my dog at the time, Fuzzy the dog, thought that the, the Galvatron, you know, the orange barrel of his, his cannon was some kind of dog treat or whatever. And he chewed up the cannon. And so what ended up happening was we returned that Galvatron with the chewed up cannon to Toys R Us. So I had the one that didn't have the chewed up cannon and then I think we traded it in and I, I it, they would do an even exchange. And since Ultra Magnus was the same price point, uh, I ended up with Galvatron and Ultra Magnus. And the reason why I go through that story is it would have been right around the same time frame that this coloring book came out. And I'm pretty sure. Whether I got it at the same time or not, I got this coloring book from the same Toys R Us in Newark, California. Like, I have a pretty distinct memory of of that Toys R Us, especially because I think I was not so like that was the Toys R Us we went to all the time when I was a kid. And also, I was, I guess, old enough to have, you know, to have memories of it. I wasn't so young that it was the kind of like this this vague thing, or maybe it was a, it wasn't a Toys R Us that I went to like once in a blue moon or something because, you know, we happened to be in a different part of town or something. It was like, if, if, if we were going to go to Toys R Us locally, that was the one that we'd go to. And I seem to remember having this invasion of the Decepticon camp, you know, that, that, that came from there. The courageous Ultra Magnus is a born leader. We meet at last, Galvatron. And it will be the last time we meet. And Galvatron is Ultra Magnus' sworn enemy. I didn't write exactly a synopsis, but I'll go through all my talking points, and they kind of synopsize the story, basically. So this invasion of the Decepticon camp story, I mean, it basically plays on the, you know, the toy class, you know, these leader class characters, the rivalry between Ultra Magnus and Galvatron. You've got a city commander versus a city commander. They have this kind of like little write up about, you know, there's good and evil and the Autobots and Decepticons are, you know, in the midst of this battle on Earth and that kind of thing. The, the, the confrontation between the two sides, like they have a kind of, you know, you know, like I guess in the X-Men cartoon where, you know, at the end of that 90s introduction, they've got the evil mutants and the good mutants like kind of flying towards one another or like the challenge of the super friends. You know, you've got the, the Justice League and the Legion of Doom, you know, running towards one another. And so it's a similar image where you've got, you know, Galvatron and Ultra Magnus, of course, at the forefront. And I, I, I find it interesting because it's like if you're trying to rationalize this, I mean, eventually it all falls apart. But in this image. It, there's kind of like that notion of 
Well, Ultra Magnus is flanked by Bumblebee and Jazz. And you're like, well, they are season one characters, but they are Transformers the movie season one survivors, too. So there's that part of you that's like, this could kind of still fit. But then when you look at the side with Galvatron, it's it's like bombshells there. And you're like, that could still maybe work. But then there's that part of you that's like, well, bombshell died. But then there's still Insecticons on the planet of the junk. So it's all, hey, was it a clone bo- that died? Bom- like, bombshell and Cyclonus are in the same scene. Confirmed. It's, bombshell is not Cyclonus. Is, is not Cyclonus, according to this book, right? Like, so, so, th- yeah. In other words, yes. That's what goes through all little Transformer nerds' heads when when you're looking at this, right? It Like, bombshell Turn you know turned into Cyclonus or you know like anyway so yeah exactly Mike Mike picked up what I was trying to put down so Blur and Jazz have a race and Blur wins the race so we're now establishing the new product line uh, Blur is established as like the fastest Autobot you know as far as racing goes even way back then um, Meanwhile, Scourge and Laserbeak are spying on the Autobots. So you've got that kind of interesting discrepancy. You know, they're not using, say, I don't know, Ratbat as a spy yet. You know, you've got kind of a season one Decepticon with with a movie Scourge Decepticon. And they're spying on the Autobots. What's interesting is you've got you've got Bumblebee, who I said was a movie survivor. You've got Springer and Blur, who are season three characters, but they need a medic in this. And it's Ratchet, and Ratchet's still alive in this. So that's that uh, here. This is where you get into that kind of uh, you know fragile ground of like this doesn't really fit anywhere. If you're trying to make it fit, of course, again, just like the the previous uh, Marvel coloring book, you know, th- this is definitely leans more towards you know the Sunbow cartoons than the than the Marvel comics, which is ironic because it's, you know, a Marvel book, right? But that's that's kind of how they played that. So Hot Rod gets into a race with Blur. He challenges Blur to a race, but of course he's always, you know, Hot Rod's curse in life is to always see the Decepticons out of the corner of his eye, even in Transformers the movie, and even in the previous coloring book. So in this case, he's racing, but then he gets distracted because he sees Decepticons and he crashes into a tree. While Springer is checking up on young Hot Rod, he gets hit with one of Bombshell's Cerebro shells when he checks on Hot Rod. Uh, And then in the back of my head, I was like, well, this is kind of like meta foreshadowing of Last Stand of the Wreckers. Sort of, kind of. I don't know. Um, Grapple ends up towing Hot Rod back to Autobot City, which is interesting because that's a season two bot. And uh, we haven't seen too many season two bots in these coloring books, at least the two that me and Mike have looked at. And Ratchet ends up repairing his front end that slammed into the tree. Springer starts bouncing around like Tigger from Winnie the Pooh in front of Rekgar. And this is because of Bombshell's Cerebro shell, which is mind controlling him basically and then springer i i needed to ask you guys about this then springer starts going like transform crazy which of course baffles the autobot scientist perceptor and i was trying to remember i know this happened not necessarily to springer or maybe it did but like what that that was a pretty common trope in the sunbow cartoon right where like people couldn't control their transformations for some reason or one reason or another 
Like, I just can't think of a specific episode, but I, I seem to remember something like that where people would get stuck in mid transformation or they were transforming back and, and forth. Uh, the desertion of the Dinobots when they were running out of a uh, cybertonium or whatever that element was. And like, they couldn't, some of them like couldn't control themselves. Yeah. And ended up like, okay. you know, halfway transformed or. Yeah. Yeah. I remember so, like when, when they, they all show up to the battle and jazz is still in car mode. He's like, I can't transform. And uh, yeah, Iron Man, yeah. Kick, uh, Iron Man, Ironhide kicks him. Thanks. Okay. Like I think. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, so I, I mean, I remember similar things like that, and of course, Springer is the one that that's that that's happening to. Um, finally, Springer complains of a headache before he goes all postal and starts shooting up Autobot City. Somehow, I guess because Ultra Magnus is a hell of a city commander, he automatically knows this is all Bombshell's fucking fault, and he orders the Autobots to capture Bombshell. Meanwhile, back at the Decepticon camp, which uh, I think the TF Wiki is on point about this. It looks like the Decepticon castle from the Marvel comics, which is maybe one of the few connections to the the Marvel kind of version rather than the Sunbow version. You know, there's no they're not going back to an undersea base like they would have on the Sunbow cartoon. Like this is more like that base that they established like in the first, what four or five issues of the Marvel comics. So they've got this kind of tall, you know, kind of skyscraper structure, you know, that, that they have as a camp and bombshell at camp boasts about mind controlling Springer. Galvatron, of course, bops him upside the head, going back to the Sunbow theme here, because that's what Galvatron would do. He'd bop motherfuckers on the head every every chance he got. Galvatron bops Bombshell on the head because he disobeyed his orders to only observe when they were doing the spying. And he's pissed off because he's going to lead the Autobots straight back to them. But presumably they know where this base is, but I don't know if it was secret or not. But the Autobots end up arriving at the Decepticon camp, and when they do... They also notice that Cyclonus is there and he's using human slave labor. So they've got all these little human beings, probably like the uh, the uh, Transformers Back to the Future storyline, right? They're, they're using all the uh, <laughs> the human labor to fetch the Benerjohn or do whatever. Uh, of course, Ultra Magnus is like, not only are we going to be here to save Springer now, team, we, we also have to save, you know, all the, the human beings who are, you know, made slave labor and all this other stuff. There's a big, well, of course these are all splash pages, I guess, essentially, right They're They're all single giant images on this coloring book. And we have one of blur facing off against ravage. There's another one where Sunstreaker. this is an interesting discrepancy because this isn't something you'd see too often. Sunstreaker is going up against Scourge and Cyclonus. Now you'd think if this was the Marvel comic, like Sunstreaker would die a horrible grisly death. But I guess since it's the, the coloring book and it's a little more sunbow, like I think Sunstreaker comes out of this okay. There's another page with Galvatron versus Ultra Magnus, which has my favorite line in the whole thing. That's what I was trying to allude to earlier. The the quote of the coloring book, Ultra Magnus is the fastest laser on Earth. He stuns Galvatron. It, it, that, that, that should be, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, from Teletran 1 files or whatever. What's his name, Mike? Oh, Victor Caroli. Victor Caroli. It's like Ultra, Ultra Magnus. Magnus. He's the, the fastest, fastest laser. 
Ultra Magnus. Uh, so I was I was laughing when when he hits Galvatron. It's almost like Ultra Magnus is the fucking Green Hornet, and he hits him with some kind of knockout gas or some shit. Yeah, you know? I thought that was weird. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Like they they treat these guys a little more personified than I think they would have been treated. You know, uh, I'm gonna get back to this later because there's other examples of this besides knockout gas. Um, Rekgar fucking lights up the Decepticon camp like it's fucking Devil's Night and the Crow. Like, he just sets every fucking thing on fire. And I'm just kind of like, dude, aren't you there to rescue Springer? Like, you might set the guy on fucking fire. But, you know, I don't know. Rekkar's like, fucking light it up! You know, like, whatever. Um, Scourge and Cyclonus, because everything's on fire, they flee to the hills. And then, of course, the Autobots are, you know, making sure the humans are safe and presumably they all get returned to their homes. Retgar, Swoop, and Bumblebee, I guess, become the Springer Rescue Squad. And this is the other part that I think is a little too humanized. They sneak into the Decepticon camp at night. Why? Do Decepticons fucking sleep? But apparently, they fucking do sleep at night because... They sneak into the camp at night. They trap Bombshell. This is the famous part. They trap Bombshell in a quote unquote super strong translucent trash bag. What? <laughs> they 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 have a giant fucking trash bag. And because I guess I guess it's not soundproof though, because Bombshell fucking moans and screams. And Apparently, Galvatron and everybody else were taking a fucking snooze because they wake their asses up. I'm like, Decepticons sleep? Really? What? Um, I'm, I know somebody's going to be like, well, in such and such cartoon, they were asleep. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But still, it cracks me up. Like, Decepticons go to sleep and then they wake up. Um, Swoop ends up blasting the Decepticons and then he blasts a hole in the cliff which I guess they use the hole to escape. But since it's all these kind of like dynamic, like one shot splash pages, like, I mean, I'm presuming uh, like they say that the Autobots escaped, but then I'm just kind of like, well, why can't the Decepticons just follow them in the hole? Like, but you know, I'm, I'm presuming, you know, maybe swoop blasted the hole again to close it. Like, but we don't really know. Cause it doesn't, doesn't have any of that detail they, they're just like, they escaped like, Take our words for it, kids. They, they got away. And then uh, back at Autobot City, uh, Cup is there with Bombshell. This also is one of my favorite parts. Cup is like, remove the shell or die. Like, he's basically like, we will kill your ass if you don't help out our boy Springer. And then when Bombshell's kind of like, never, I'll never do it. It, it's like Jazz, Blur, Swoop, and Bumblebee. Like, they all surrounding Bombshell with, like, you know, the, we gonna take your wallet, you know? Like, they're, like, they're giving him, like, the, the gang rape, like, face gang up or whatever. And then, of course, Bombshell relents, and he removes the shell from Springer. But, I guess because the Autobots are, like, cheering and shouting hip hip hooray and shit, they're a bunch of nimrods because they, they're laughing and you know, celebrating, no one fucking has their eye on the ball, which is Bombshell, and Bombshell escapes. And that's the end of Invasion of the Decepticon Camp. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I kind of interjected some of my thoughts 
while I was revisiting this. I mean, what's interesting about this is, and I don't know, maybe we'll put something in the show notes or whatever. I couldn't find a copy. I mean, uh, I suppose I could go out and buy a copy of this at some point or whatever, but I couldn't find like any kind of, you know, digitized version of this anywhere, even though I'm pretty sure there must be one. But what we did find so that we could all kind of talk about it tonight was, I guess, someone on YouTube uh, had the scans of each page. They actually digitally colored in the coloring book and they narrated the entire, you know, whatever it was, like 30 page coloring book story. Um, This is I mean, I guess the other thing to note about this is as opposed to um, as opposed to some some of these uh books i mean kind of like mike's i mean this is a pure coloring book like there's no real activities in this right you're not like you know doing a puzzle or a crossword or any kind of thing like that like this is just it's there's a there's a story you know as as kind of light and frothy and for kids as it might be you know what what i mean i i I would imagine what this is like ages three and up you know like that that kind of vibe you know like like that you know three to seven like whatever um whatever they designate the reading level as but um you know fairly simple story you know and and uh i think for me i think there's a lot of that uh what new car smell or you know in this case new toy smell you know like the 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 novelty of seeing like this might have been one of the first times i saw you know galvatron and ultra magnus in a in a story you know so that's pretty much what i have on this but um had had either uh, well we we talked about this with mike mike had read this and he had member berries about it what what about you justin had you ever seen this before like what and and kind of what was your take on it did you did you enjoy it like what did you think about it did you think like some of the shit was funny did you freak out that steve ditko apparently did some work on this coloring book like what yeah, I thought that was yeah. really weird. Like, I was like, "Am I?" I I did a double take. I'm like, "Am I seeing things?" Like, Steve Ditko did a Transformers coloring book, so that made me like automatically conscious of like the artwork. Um, I had never read this before. I thought it was interesting. There was a lot of focus on Springer because I I always liked Springer. Like when I was a kid, like I remember. You know, if there was an episode featuring him, like I was, you know, interested because I don't know, I just I always like Springer. Um, but yeah, this is really neat, and you know, I like I said, I kind of laughed at, uh, you know, the 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 knockout gas or whatever because that's totally yeah. what it looks like. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was fun. I I think it's kind of I don't know, maybe this is something we can talk about, but I'm I'm just amazed that people archive stuff like this like i can get scanning books or comics or you know back issues of starlog or famous monsters like i get that but you know coloring books and even some storybooks they seem almost disposable by nature i mean especially coloring books like once it's colored like most you know most of that stuff just gets tossed it's like okay well this is a kid's coloring book it's been completely used, and the kid's a teenager now, so unless there's, like, a lot of sentimentality attached to it, it, like, it gets tossed. So, 
you know, if if there's a kid that that's like Mike and didn't color their coloring book, like I think that's a minor miracle. And then the fact that someone wants to go out and archive this stuff, like I'm just I'm just amazed that someone wants to do that. Like it, it like like when stuff is being archived, I'm just like, oh, someone like took scans of coloring books and sticker books and stuff like that. I just I mean, I'm glad it's being archived. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm just kind of like, that wouldn't be like on my list of priorities, I guess. Or, well, I, I, I guess, I guess I understand that in some way, but, but th- 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 that's that weird level of like fandom. You, you, you read say superhero comic books, but then there's a different level when you start talking about like star comic books or toy tie-in comic books, or mm. licensed, you know what I mean? Like, where it's like, it's like that, that, I, I think somehow, somewhere along the way in our fandom, some of that stuff was ingrained in us, the 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 disposability of it. But what's funny about it is, I guess you can't, you can't underestimate that nostalgia factor, because it's like, I, I, and what's funny about it is, I, I think the reason why, like, it, it Again, and I, I think it speaks to your point, but it also speaks to why things like this end up getting archived or rediscovered or whatever. Because, like, this, I hadn't thought about this coloring book in, I don't know, fucking 35 years or so. I don't know, like a long ass fucking time, right? And it was one of those things where like I thought about it and I'm like, Oh yeah, I know some of these things were archived and they're digital versions of it. And then I was like, well, is this one I remember? And I was like, I, I'm no, no, I'm having a hard time finding it and all this other stuff. So you could see why, you know, like, you know, either you'd go look for whatever your copy was, you know, like you're saying, like if it was in storage or something like that, but I, I can appreciate what you're saying too. Cause it's like, well, you know, most people, right, you buy a coloring book to color it, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, like, that's that's something that's surprising, too, where it's like, oh, there, there are some of these, uh, you know, I don't know, pristine, you know, uh, you know, books that hadn't been touched with that. Or, like, in your case, you know, what, what we're about to talk about, you know, some of the activities, right? Like, you'd think, you know, if, if you got something. I mean, I mean, to me, it's like one of those things of, like, it's the difference between a comic book that has the subscription uh, thing cut out of it. Or, or like, the fact that, like, say, like, what is it, like, Amazing Spider-Man 238, you know, the first Hobgoblin. Like, it always cracked me up because there was a a free, like, sticker tattoo in it or some shit. Hmm. And, and, like... Most people, like like you're saying, with the coloring book, like that sticker tattoo was considered disposable. Like even yeah. if people were collecting the comic book, some people were like, "Oh yeah, sticker tattoo." I don't I don't even remember what it was. I don't even think it had anything to do with fucking Spider Man, but it was some like tattoo thing, right? And most of those are used, right? But if you if you look in this is just nerd shit like that I know about cuz I love the Hobgoblin and I had the issue at one point I owned it. But it's like it's like that weird shit where it's like the the version with the pristine untouched sticker was was worth more than than the one that had it used, right? Like so I I don't know, but but my assumption might be Maybe there were some people out there that knew that there would be some 
value in this, whether it was for archival purposes, whether it was for resale purposes, you know, like that kind of thing and going like, look, here's a, you know, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe some dude who had a James Bond coloring book in the sixties, like went, oh man, if only we had a pristine version of this. Cause that sold on fucking, you know, heritage for a zillion dollars or, you know what, you know what I mean? Like, like maybe something like that happened. And then, and then like everything else, you know, it turns into this weird thing of like people hoard a bunch of shit and, and, and expect it to have value someday. So maybe that's why there are a number of these, you know, untouched, you know, coloring books or whatever. I think a lot of that stuff is just unused, you know, new old stock because I've got like, six return of the jedi coloring books that are mm. like meant never been touched by a child ever and i'm kind of like you know I, like i i got those and i'm like man none of these have ever been used like this is a minor miracle and then the guy was like oh these came out came out of an old store they were in a box somewhere mm. and i was like oh well that explains that like you know no kid ever touched these and they're they're you know I mean, yeah, they're nothing. Yeah. They're nothing special. But I'm just like, it's it's funny. Then, then in that case, it's not even. It's not even as. I mean, I guess it applies to what I'm saying about it's done for resale purposes. But it's almost in your in your example, it's almost like it was done accidentally, right? Mm-hmm. Like like somebody had them in a box. The intent was to sell them when they were new, but somehow they forgot about it, or they. You know, I don't know what, but maybe, maybe the other books didn't sell, so they didn't bother putting them out on the shelf or what. You know, I, I have no idea what the explanation is, but somehow that, that you know, it's one of these things in the uh, end of Indiana Jones, right? The end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. These coloring books got put in the <laughs> dark room and nobody looked at them until they got put on eBay and then you bought them, right? Like, so it's like that kind of thing. I, I've also got a, uh, not to get off track, but I've also got like a Star Trek motion picture coloring book and it's, really nice except for two pages where some kid colored Mr. Spock green. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember seeing that. I'm like, man, this is a really nice shape, you know, 1979, 1980. And I, I was flipping through it and I'm like, no one colored this. Oh my God. And then it's like somewhere in the middle. I'm like, Oh man, some little punk like colored Mr. Spock green, but I bought it anyway, just cause it was mm-hmm. so like well-preserved. Yeah, I, I find stuff like that interesting. But yeah, and, and I guess this was, this did have that, uh, there's not too, I mean, I guess in today's age, like you're talking about, the way you can archive things, things can be digitized, things can be preserved, you can, you know, or even even eliminating that, you know, the, the fact that you can go onto eBay and, and purchase something and somewhere in the world somebody has, you know, these these unopened boxes of coloring books or maybe you know like you said in your star trek example a coloring book that's like barely touched and that you know you're like okay this works and everything so you can recapture i you know it's a weird feeling but it's like sometimes you know it's like that uh the last dinosaur syndrome like like uh, with nostalgia though right like it's like it's like how many more you know, valleys do I have to climb? How many more hills do I have? Like how, you know, it's like, how many more Holy grails do I have in me? How many more, (laughs) how many more rediscoveries of old nostalgic stuff that can fill my heart with massive amounts of joy? Do I possibly have left? Like, have I uncovered and unearthed all of that 
old member berry juice that I have left. And it's like, this was an example of, holy fuck, I totally forgot about this coloring book. And here it fucking is. And yes, I had all the grape nostalgia juice or whatever the fuck flavor it is right pour all over me where i was like oh shit like i totally forgot about this and this was totally something that was like i i don't know i i i want to say it was an essential part of my transformers lexicon but i just sort of forgot about it you know just like the people who forgot about the fucking coloring books in the back room you know and then it's like you uncover it and then it's like you're sitting there like fucking indiana jones blowing the dust off of it going holy fuck like look at how important this is why did anybody forget about this including myself you know so i don't know you know it's 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 fun i'm i'm i guess part of me's glad i've uncovered it and then part of me sad that it's like like what i what, kind of what i was explaining like how many more of these do i have left hidden within me i don't know you know but so what what why don't we like yours yours is from quite a different era, Justin. Like like why don't you uh tell the listeners which kind of and yours is more of a it's a coloring end activity book. So why don't you tell the listeners about yours? So I brought Transformers Generation 2 Autobots Advantage from the distant year of 1993. And it also sold for a dollar and twenty-nine cents. And kind of like Derek said, like, mine's more like coloring and activity, and it even tells you this, like, on the the title page, and it is illustrated by, what? Tony and Tony Terra... Why are there two Tonys? It's like yeah, that, that's Tony what and I was Tony. wondering. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's a typo. I don't know if that's something like because it's like crisis it says, of the two Tonys. Yeah, yeah, because it says it, it literally says Tony and Tony Talarico. So I, I don't know if it's just there's one Tony, the Tony Talarico, or if somehow there was like another Tony. There were two Tonys that are working on it. I don't know. You know so. And it's written by Laura Bergen. Um, yeah, like like I said, there's no real story. I mean, it's like, okay, as bare as you can get, it's like the Decepticons are somewhere in space and they're coming to Earth and the Dinobots are going to fight them. And that's kind of the main reason I remember asking for this. I mean, even though Inferno's on the cover, and I liked Inferno quite a bit as a kid, but like throughout most of this, it's mostly Dinobots. And, you know, I mean, like I said, big Dinobot guy. And it's a lot of, like, Decepticon jets. But um, the Dinobots were, like, the main reason I, I asked for this. And it's, you know, there's, like, mazes. There are word puzzles. Um, there's one page. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Uh, oh, yeah. it's It's got, <laughs> it's got like... Optimus and Bumblebee, and it says victory over top of them, and at the bottom it says rulers of the universe. I'm just like, <laughs> um, okay, that's a little Bumblebee you know, and Optimus. Guys. Born to be kings. <laughs> I like I like the page that just says Mega Blaster, and it's just a bunch of seekers like flying over the Earth and bombing it or something. Like I don't know what the yeah, hell that some, is. Some of these. Uh, some of the text is just so wacky. I mean, there's one that says cosmic clash and totally intense. I mean, it's, it's 93. So, you know, 
you know. I I have tons of notes on this, Justin. Okay, so I, 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 I know you said I, you I, had, need, I need I need to tell you these things. I know you said you had notes, and I'm just like, okay. I was thinking about this today because I mean, I looked at this last week, and I looked at it again today, just to like refresh my my memory. But I was just like, this is this is odd. I feel like I have to like review a coloring book, which is like. I don't know, one of the more wacky doodle things, but I mean, I'm not really reviewing it. And I was like, well, there's no real story to this, so I don't need to take any notes. I mean, it's just a, I'm like, it's a coloring book. And then I'm like, well, I should have expected Derek, of all people, to like have <laughs> me notes. I'm like, did you fail the Decepticon word puzzle maze or like what? Yes. Okay. So, so check this out, right? Like this is okay. Look. So some of these notes are just factual, right? Like I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, you know, noticing like you talked about, like say, just to give an example of something we already talked about, right? Optimus Prime and Bumblebee. Yes, they show up. Yes, at the end they declare victory over the Decepticons and they say they're the rulers, not the masters of the universe, right? But my note is kind of like, oh well, these are the the toy designs of yeah. of Optimus and Bumblebee, right? So so there's numerous things where you see you know, Generation 2 Inferno or like on the credits page, you know, where it, where it's does the written and illustrated by like you see scavenger toy mode, Bumblebee toy mode. Right. So you've got all these kind of toy things. Right. Aside from it being Generation 2, you know, it's clearly labeled on the cover and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like, I guess the, the question I would have for you that I'm curious about that's part of my notes is uh I have to ask, like, did you color in this coloring book? And did you color the G2 Dinobots green, red, and blue? I colored it. I colored them like their proper colors, not G2 colors. I remember okay. that. Because okay. I had the blue Grimlock from G2. But I I mean, I had it because I wanted a Grimlock. But I, I mean, I was not crazy about the repaint, but I was happy just to have that figure. So in a situation like this, I tried to color him as accurately as possible. Okay. And then and then like Mike said, there's like all these Decepticon planes in this this activity book, right? Now, if if I remember correctly, because I was very poo-poo on generation two, you know, all the way down to the spinning cube and the the you know, I'm not like Brian, I don't like all the wacky colors and weirdness and all that stuff, right? The the Decepticon planes, like in this, they have camo on them. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they have those engines, which I assume that was what to do the 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 sound stuff. Like, is that what they came with? Like, where you press buttons and it made like yeah, what, explosions and things. Okay, so they they have all these engines that are the sound packs. So activity follow the letters that spell Decepticon. Easy. I'm not a moron. Took <laughs> care of that, right? Activity. This is what fucked me. Activity. Which jet is a Decepticon? They've got, like, fucking four identical fucking... Well, they're not really identical, but to me, they look like four identical fucking jets. And I'm sitting there looking at it going, what do you mean, which is the Decepticon? Aren't they all fucking Decepticons? They look the same. They've got the little... They've got the camo. They've got the wings. They've got the fucking missiles. They've got the little uh, laser engines that we just established make the little fucking noises and all this stuff. I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I go back to the answer book, and it says the answer is C. And I'm kind of like, okay. So I go back and I look at C and I'm like, wait, so less camo on the wings makes you a Decepticon? Like, I was expecting there to be, like, 
a Decepticon symbol on one of them or some shit like that. And the rest of them are just, you know, human beings that have these ridiculous fucking fuchsia colors and camo, whatever, and all that other stuff. So I, I, I didn't understand that. And I was like, okay, well, I sort of get it now that I look at C because C has less camo than the other ones. But I don't understand why that makes the jet a Decepticon. Um, there's an activity to circle the names of the G2 Dinobots. Really, really easy. That's fine. You talked about all the funny-ass, like, I guess, text or dialogue and stuff. And this totally reminds me of, uh, you know, big bad Dudicus Bruticus shit. Because Slag is labeled as the Tricky Triceratops. And I'm like, is that Slag's illin rapper name? Tricky Triceratops? Where he's like, it's tricky. He tricky to rock a rhyme. It's tricky. <laughs> like, that's that's what I was thinking of when I read that. And then they get a little stupider. Starl is the steel-plated Stegosaurus. And Grimlock, this is the worst one, a temporary Tyrannosaurus. What? A temporary yeah. <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex? Like They're like, look at me, I'm Stan Lee, temporary Tyrannosaurus. I'm like, no, bro, you're not Stan Lee. You're not very good. <laughs> um, the other activity, there's a maze for the G2 Dinobots to find the Decepticons. I didn't care about any of the maze activity bullshit in any of these. I think even in... Even in mine, or, oh, no, no, it was in Mike's, I think, when, when Hot Rod escapes, right, there's a maze, and you have to, like, the, the idea is they try to make these interactive as part of the plot, where it's like, look, the Decepticons need to find, the or the G2 Dinobots need to find the Decepticons, so it's like, if you successfully complete the maze, right, then, then you've helped them find the Dinobots, or in the case of Hot Rod... If you want him to escape to Autobot City from the Decepticons, it's like if you do the maze, you've helped him and Daniel, you know, get through, you know, the maze and, and helped out the 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 heroic protagonists or whatever. Right. And so I, I look at that kind of stuff. I was like, I'm not wasting my time with this. I don't care. Like they got through the maze, whatever. So I go to the next page. Uh, there's a little blurb on that page. Like once they. Once they find the Decepticons, the next page says cruising for Dinobots. And I'm like, I'm like, I do not think that means what you think it means. <laughs> you <know>? like, <laughs> all, all I can think about is you're going to groan, right? All I can think about is uh, fucking uh, Kevin from fucking Riverdale <laughs> cruising for Dinobots. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm like that doesn't Next mean page. Think, that doesn't mean what you think it means. Um, activity connect the dots with slag really easy. It makes a sword and all that stuff. I did it in my head. Okay, swords of steel. This might be kind of cool for you to talk about. I mean, this is a cool focus shot, right? It's got what Grimlock and I think slag. I don't know. I forget who it is, but it's got two of them with their swords in robot mode. So I thought that was kind of cool. You can identify Starscream because. He uses his tech spec quote, conquest is made of the ashes of one's enemies. Mm -hmm. Grimlock uses his tech spec quote, among the winners, there is no room for the weak. Uh, really easy activity, because I'm not a moron. Unscramble, what do the Decepticons desire? Answer is global domination. Another activity, there's a lot of activities in this. 
circle all the upside down objects in the picture. I only found three. Apparently there's like eight of them or something in the answer book, but I found the candle, the lamp and the pot. And then I fucking gave up. I think there's like some, there's some, um, there's some piece of pizza or something or some window that's up. I was like, what? Like this is bullshit, but whatever. Uh, then long haul is fighting Inferno in one shot, which is interesting. Sideswipe, I think. I think it's G2 Sideswipe is fighting Starscream and Scavenger. Uh, there's an activity to circle all the Decepticon jets in the pictures. I aced this. There's four of them. There's an activity maze to help Snarl chase Ramjet. Fuck those mazes. He chases Ramjet. <laughs> activity um, um, mazes are like reading books or whatever. Fuck that shit. Activity unscramble letters to find out who wins. Duh, it's the fucking Dinobots. Ace that. <laughs> Optimus Prime and Bumblebee, like we talked Victory. about, they have got the toy designs. You know what's really weird? After all this bullshit, like the Autobots win, and then there's a fucking pinup of Bone Crusher, and I'm just like, and then there's the answer page, and I'm just like, did did they forget about Bone Crusher? Is it because that's why I call it a pinup? Because it's like. The story's over. Like, the Autobots won. And then it's just like, what, Bone Crusher's, like, posing for the sexy Constructicon calendar Maybe Bone Crusher's like, so they laugh at my boner, do they? I'll show them how many boners Bone Crusher can make. I was like, what is going on? But, yeah, I I think it'd be interesting to see, of, of all the molested coloring and activity books for Autobot Advantage, like, whether, what's the percentage of people who drew with the G2 colors and what's the percentage of, of kids who drew with the original, like, OG G1 colors? But yeah, this, I don't know, this is fun. I mean, I had fun with it. But yeah, I, w- I wasn't just going to do nothing with this. Like, I was going to take notes. And w- I, I think my favorite is that Slag is, now Now Slag is, like, I, I, I maybe I can get a commission of, like, Slag rapping with Run DMC. Like, that's maybe <laughs> my new... My new thing, you know, like the tricky triceratops, you know, like that's that's I I want I want Mike to end this with you know, to rock around to rock around it's tricky. Like that's 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 what I was thinking of the whole time I was reading this. I had Run DMC in the back of my head. But yeah, this is something I had when I was little. I like I I have specific memories of asking for this, and then I remember being at my grandparents' house, sitting on the couch and coloring it while they were watching, like, Beverly Hillbillies and Gilligan's Island. So that's what, when I saw this uh, last week, I was like, ooh, and, like, I, like, you know, immediately thought back to that, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Did yeah. did any of these influence, like, like I know we talked about how the, the, these might have been, like, at least for me, part of my lexicon, you know, the... Galvatron Ultra Magnus kind of thing and everything like do, do you think this influenced any of your like favorite characters like did it did it entice you to seek out some of the you know the the product line like because you you had this coloring book like like I know you said you had the the um the blue Grimlock was that before this coloring book was it after the coloring book I think it was well before this coloring okay. book okay okay I don't think I had any anyone else that was featured in this book. Um, let me see. Oh no, I had Bumblebee. Yeah, and I think that's it. I mean, I had some of those cyber jets, but those were like a little bit later than this, I believe. I don't know, but I you know I didn't have Starscream or any of the other Dinobots or even Optimus or anything. 
What about you, Mike? Like, I mean, did you, did you, had you ever read this coloring book and activity book? Did, did the previous coloring books influence any of your kind of favorites and or, you know, uh, wants and or purchases as far as, you know, old school Hasbro Transformers goes? Yeah, I owned this, uh, like, I think I was a little bit older than, I, you know, when I read the other ones and, like, I'm pretty sure I did all the activities in this one. I don't know if I colored anything, but, but I mean, I don't know if it influenced anything, but I, I think I was just glad to see it. Like basically, like I, I think I had most of the toys already by the time I had this book and yeah, like I, I don't know. It was just a nice uh, supplement, I guess. I think like the, the earlier books probably influenced my tastes more than, you know, uh, this one did. I know there's one other Honey Bear activity book that was archived, but I'm not really sure how many of these there are. Like, there might be a lot more than that. Because I know there were a lot of those Marvel books that me and Mike brought. Like, there's at least maybe, I don't know, about a dozen or something. I don't know. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I had some more. And I, I know Steve Ditko did draw a couple more of them. So. Yeah, that's interesting because, like, like I, I kind of feel like, like I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is just my general assumption, but you know, Brad Joyce did the art on Battle at Oil Valley, and the style in Invasion of the Decepticon Camp looks a lot like the Brad Joyce work from Battle at Oil Valley. But I think maybe, maybe it's a case of like, you know, breakdowns or layouts or whatever. Like, if this was a comic book, maybe they would have credited Ditko with breakdowns or layout or something like that and Brad Joyce with the finishes you know like that's that's kind of what I'm guessing but I almost like feel bad for like Steve Ditko like 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 I don't know maybe this is just what he like this is just what he wanted but like I don't know it's like this is what they were throwing at him in the 80s like for kind of like you know work basically Marvel like I I don't know I, I mean, I, I think there were other things he because I mean, I know in the early '80s he was doing like ROM and stuff like that. So I mean, it's not like that he was doing nothing, you know. Like so, and and I imagine to a lot of people, like I mean, I'm thinking the, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting because because you hear different things. Like like some some folks in Marvel had big plans for these books, but. I don't know the way if if I recall correctly and Justin can back me up on this I think but if I recall correctly the way Jim Shooter talked about these books were that th they had these big like hopes and aspirations for these books but they all were big uh loss leaders I think like I think at some point they came in and they're just like look Marvel books I mean clearly like these didn't continue into perpetuity right like and and so at some point i think they looked at the marvel books division and were like this isn't making any money like let's gut this little division even though there were people in there that were supposed to be you know high muckety mucks and had their little fiefdom or whatever it sounded like at some point they had to come in and go look these 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 books aren't doing any good or they're not you know meeting the the, the quotas or the minimums or whatever it's not a it's not making profit you know so and and i guess maybe that's evidenced by stuff that justin is saying like that there were 
stocks of these coloring books that were unopened, right? Obviously, they didn't make any money on those. It's kind of odd when you think about it because you're like, okay, what what was the market like for coloring books in the 80s? Like, in, I'm sure there are somewhere, but like, where are the sales figures for coloring books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't like, know. Like, yeah, the, the Comicron for fucking yeah. coloring books and shit. <laughs> yeah, where's that shit? It's like, oh man, this She-Ra book sold gangbusters back in the day. Yeah, I don't know, man. I have no idea. Because cause I imagine like when it's a license, right? Like, like Hasbro doesn't care, right? Because they got their money. You know, they got the money because they got the, you know, the paycheck to say, oh, you can make a coloring book. You know, it's the same thing with like Lucas and Star Wars, right? Lucas doesn't give a shit if the coloring books sell or not. Like, it's like Lucas got his his coloring book, uh, you know, payoff or whatever it was, right? Like, so I'm, I'm sure they don't care about the, it. The, but co- the somebody... coloring books are the key to all of this. <laughs> <laughs> if we can make the coloring books work, then, then we're good to go. <laughs> uh, the power of coloring books. Yeah, yeah. But no, this is fun, man. I, I, I have a good time like revisiting all this and, and I actually it's fun to be introduced to to your guys' favorites too, you know, because that was something that I mean I, I had envisioned this as, you know, oh I discovered this and it'd be fun to talk about, you know, the, the, the one I had mentioned, but this kind of developed into well, I, I want you guys to bring books that you had personal connections to too. So it wasn't just a book that potentially you know, neither of you guys had read either, you know, so, so this was, this was fun. And thank you for, you know, I mean, I know you're joking about it, but I had fun just fucking around and doing the activities and looking at all this stuff. And man, like I love, uh, tricky triceratops now, man, he's going to be, he's going to be rapping on, uh, on Cyberverse with, uh, freaking, you know, back in, uh, McAdams or whatever. That's, that's my new head cannon is that, uh, Slag yeah. was uh, was was rapping back in the day. Yeah, it's always fun. Like I said, it, it it taps into a part of my mind I don't get to access like all too often. So like especially like when like you said where you you notice you find something from your childhood that you hadn't seen in like thirty something years. But yeah, I had fun talking about them. All right. Well, if you guys have any other comments, questions, and or concerns. If you are really, really concerned that uh, one of us has been zapped with a Cerebro shell and we're stuck in mid-transformation, you can send an email to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes of Transformers Tuesdays, you can find them over on the blogspot, fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. We can be streamed on all kinds of social media. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Thanks, Derek. And uh, this is Mike signing off. If you need to capture any of us, all you need is a giant laundry bag. Uh, this is Derek, Derek WC. It's tricky to rock a Triceratops ride. And this is Justin, signing off. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Tricky, not temporary. Yeah, I know. What's up with temporary T-Rex? Buster out, I had to leave real early. 
you say is please me Or spend some time and rock a rhyme I said it's not that easy It's tricky to rock around, to rock around That's right, on time is tricky Excuse me It's tricky, tricky, tricky It's tricky to rock around, rock around That's right, on time is tricky I really have my learning Tricky, tricky In New York, the people talk and try to make us rhyme They really hawk, but we just walk because we have no what they're going for like you know all transformers are temporary sort of yeah at some point he will become a robot it's just a a poor like descriptor i guess like couldn't he call him like the terrible thunder lizard t-rex i don't know something cool the titanic tyrannosaurus or something the terrifying you know the spiky stegosaurus, not that. No. I don't know. It, it feels like to me, like probably poor Donny Cates was like, I got this cool idea for the God of the Symbiotes, and then I'm gonna have Eddie Brock fight him, and then he'll save the day at the end, and it'll be great. And then they're like, Let's make this a crossover, Donny, and he's like, Oh, that's good. Let's do it. And then they just turned it into this huge event. What? Do it. <laughs> we'll call it. Too many venoms. <laughs> Call it King of Ass. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Call it King who makes everybody wet, including the men. It'll be on all the lunch pails. <laughs> King, King of, of Ass. ass. In a Snake Eyes movie, you would think that, like, you know, mm-hmm. his face should be covered, like, 90%, you know, 95% of the movie, but... It's just as important as Kenny Baker smiling when he's in the RT thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Or, yeah, according but... to George Lucas, that's important. Uh, Kenny, make sure you're smiling when you're in the R2. <laughs> Kenny, make sure you're uh, smiling. Kenny's smile is the key to all of this. <laughs> If we could make Kenny smile work, like the rest will, uh, the rest will rhyme like poetry. 